welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Uh, my name is Micah, if we haven't met, and I'm uh, the lead pastor here at Awaken. We are in week four of a mini-series on generosity. We're in a longer series on 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you do not have one, you can steal the person's phone who's sitting next to you, or there are Bibles in the back. I would probably go with the latter. Um, Just by way of review, if you're just joining us, week one, we talked about generosity as the thing behind the thing, right? Generosity drives what we do with our resources, our time, our talent, uh, the passions that we have, the money, the resources, those things. So generosity is behind that. Week two, if, you, if you're a podcaster, uh, we, we had technical difficulties. We did not get that recorded, so I apologize for that. But we talked about the fact that generosity has the most impact and influence when it flows in a particular direction, right? First to the Lord, then to the local church, and then to the world. This is the, the economy of the kingdom, the way in which God has set it up. And last week, Steve was here. Uh, man, by the way, Steve and Mary just went through assessment uh, this last week, and they were given a green light yesterday to plant a new covenant church. So, yes, we're excited about that. They're planting a new, new church here soon. So that'll be great. Um, you'll hear more from Steve and Mary soon. That'll be fun. Uh, last week, he talked about if we're going to be generous people, we have to begin with grace. You have to understand what is grace even, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about grace? Because that's sort of behind even generosity. I uh, talked a little bit about um, finishing what you start, uh, being committed to something, and giving according to your means, which for some of us means saying no to things. So I want to wrap this up, the mini-series this morning, um, and I just want to, uh, we're going to skip the map, um, Mike, if you're up there, so we're just going to go right to the verse. So we're going to uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll start in verse 6, so if you would stand, we'll read this section and we will jump in here. Paul says this in chapter 9, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Paul quoting from the Old Testament there. Now, verse 10, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply, increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only, uh, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you and their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Now, normally I would pray here, but I'm going to actually invite you to join me. This is a prayer uh, written by a guy named Origen from about the second century. So it's an oldie but a goodie. So pray with me. I think we've got this on the screen behind me. There we go. Pray with me. Lord, inspire us as we read your scriptures and meditate on them this morning. We beg you to give us real understanding of what we need so that we in turn may put what we hear into practice. Yet we know that understanding and good intentions are worthless unless they are rooted in your graceful love. 
So we ask that the words of these scriptures be not just signs on a page, but channels of grace in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I love that line, channels of grace in our hearts. So remember in this context, just, by way, just a review before we jump in, Paul's a, he's a church planter. He's planted all these churches in the northern Mediterranean. He is traveling to those churches from Jerusalem, and he's collecting an offering, right? Jerusalem is sending him out to collect an offering, and he's bringing that offering back to the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the funding church. It's the mother church. It's the one that sent Paul out on these missionary journeys. And so he's going to these churches, and there's a church up in the north called in Macedonia. There's a number of churches. We're not really sure which church is actually being referenced here. Um, but there's churches in the north, and these churches are, are not of a... They don't have lots of resources, whereas in Corinth, you are right on the ocean, you're right in the middle of trade routes, you're in the middle of all that's happening in the ancient Near East, and so there's wealth, there's prosperity, there's opportunity, and Paul is sort of encouraging the Corinthian church to put their money where their mouth is. He's kind of laying the lumber, so to speak, in a very gentle sort of way, but he's essentially telling them, listen, you've said you want to give to the church in Jerusalem, you've said that you want to be generous, you've said that you want to do these things and participate in what God is up to, and now he says, okay, here's your shot. Put your money where your mouth is. Let your faithfulness actually be the, the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the confirmation of your intention, right? All, many of us have good intention, but let your faithfulness in giving actually confirm the faith that you have. And he actually says in, in, uh, at the, in the middle of this, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves to be faithful. You've proven yourselves as followers of Jesus as you do this. So he's kind of, he's, he's laying into him a little bit. And this, and this series has been about generosity, which of course is the thing behind the thing, right? Generosity is what drives what we do with our resources. And I recognize that often in church, when we talk about money and resources, that this goes a certain way, but that's okay. I recognize that. And I think we can say that out loud and say it, right? Like that's out there. It's not the elephant in the room. And yet, I want to talk about this because it's really important. And specifically today, I want to take that a notch deeper, and I want to talk about money. Uh, I recognize the risk that I'm taking when I do that, but I hope that as we read these passages and as we try to learn from the scriptures and learn from Paul, we recognize that there is something of value here that we would do well to listen to. So here we go. Let's dig in. Uh, A couple of things that I think sort of emerge from this passage. If you look in verse 6, we'll begin there. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Not rocket science, but you reap what you sow. Um, Again, this is not super complicated theology here. In fact, this is actually like basic parenting of small children. Um, You reap what you sow. What you invest, you get out, you get back, right? If you put it in the ground, whatever grows from that is directly connected to how much or the investment that you put in the ground. Right? You reap what you sow. Now, I opened this series a couple weeks ago very cautiously for good reason, kind of making note that there are preachers we've seen on TV or we've seen in person. I was in an unnamed state once where there was one of these people, and I was like, I have got to go. I have to go to this place and like, actually see it in action. And this particular person, unnamed, was preaching in Romans and talking about Abraham, and it took five minutes before he got to, if the Lord wants to bless you, you just got to call it down. You got to call it down because he wants to bless you. And I'm sitting there going, is this actually happening? How do you get from Romans, which is super technical, and Abraham to the Lord wants to bless you and you have to call it down? I couldn't believe it, but it was real. Like, we've seen this. 
And so I, I cautiously talked about this, that there are preachers that, with this kind of theology from passages just like this, ones like Luke 6, you've probably heard this one before, right? Give and it will be given unto you. A good measure, shaken down, pressed down, staking together, running over, pulled out, right? <laughs> For the measure you use, it will be given back to you. Now here's the deal, guys. I've challenged you and I have, I have encouraged you not to dismiss something someone says because of something else they've said. So for example, a lot of times someone will say, well, I don't read that person because they said this and I don't believe that. Or I don't listen to that person because they said this and I don't believe that. And I think that's really, really shallow. And I think you're better than that. I think you're smarter than that. And I want to challenge you not to dismiss something that someone says just because they've said something else that you might have disagreed with. So for the conservatives in the room, Oprah, Rob Bell, right? These are some of the people that the conservatives say, like, out with, farewell, Bob Bell, okay? That's dumb. Don't do that. Because there's lots of things there that are actually true that are being said. You have to sift through it. You have to work through it. You have to be good students. You have to learn how to understand the text and exegete the text, which I know is highly technical. But I think you can do it. You all are theologians, not just me. We do the job. We do the work of studying the scriptures together. It's not just me. That's something this community leans on me more for, and that's for good reason, right? I've studied, I've gone to school, I've put lots of energy and effort into it. But that doesn't get you off the hook. For you liberals in the room, James Dobson actually has some things that you might want to listen to, okay? So the point, the point being here, you don't dismiss someone or something lock, stock, and barrel because you disagree with something that they say. You're better than that. Likewise, we read passages like this, and for me, honestly, like red flags start to go up. Like, I've heard that before in contexts where I'm like, you can't do that, man. You can't go from Genesis or Romans 4 to there. Like, that's terrible reading of the scripture. So I have all these alerts that go off, but I want to suggest and I want to encourage us that, there, that the scriptures are filled, and this passage in particular that we've looked at and others like it, Luke 6, they are filled with truths about money and resources and how God and we interact with those things and we would do well to listen to them because there's wisdom there. You don't dismiss them just because some knucklehead can't interpret the text right, okay? Now, the scriptures all throughout talk about there's wisdom about reaping what you sow, okay? Now, the, the, the sort of the pendulum swing here might be sort of prosperity gospel. If you give, you're going to be rich, right? That's not what I'm saying. But the scriptures do teach that you reap what you sow. Proverbs 11 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, should you take this and cut and paste it over your life and say, Okay, God, where is it? I'm generous. How come I'm not? No, that's not the point. There's wisdom here, though, right? Generous, gener generous people, the wisdom of the scriptures would say, gener a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You reap what you sow. Malachi 3, God's talking to Israel. He says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me on this, God says. And see if I don't throw open the storehouses, the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much blessing there won't be enough room to store it. Now, is this like cut and paste? If we do this, then that is it tit for tat? No, that misses the point. But there's wisdom here. Deuteronomy 15, give generously to them. This is God to Israel again. 
Give generously to the angel, the, stra- the stranger, the alien, the foreigner. And see what I did there? The stranger, strangely in. <laughs> Give generously to them. Do so without a grudging heart. Because of this, the Lord will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. You reap what you sow. Now, here's the challenging part. Knowing this, we often make the mistake of giving in order to get, right? And we completely, I would argue, we miss the point. Just the other day, I'm in the car, and I'm overhearing a conversation happening between daughters in my back seat, right? One of them has something that the other wants. You, all, you can picture this in your mind's eye, right? So I'm in the front seat just driving along, you know, driving Miss Daisy, you know, killing it. And turn down the, turn down the music a little bit so I can really kind of listen in, and, hear, and here's the conversation. Hey, can I have some of that? No. If you give me some of that, I'll give you some of this. Um, so if I give you this, I get that? Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But if you give me that, I will give you this. Okay. Okay, fine. Fine. Okay. But I want that. Right? You see, and it's all about this for that. It's tit for tat. We give so we can get And it completely and utterly misses the point. This isn't about reaping and sowing. It's about why you would reap or why you would sow and what you would reap. It's not about sowing something and reaping something first and foremost. It's about the thing behind the thing, right? It's why would you do that? Let's unpack this metaphor. Paul uses the metaphor of a farmer and seeds, right? When a farmer puts their seed in the ground... There is more going on here than just, I hope that seed turns into corn. There's something deeper than that. That's why he uses this metaphor. And when a farmer consider, a farmer, no farmer considers the sowing of seed, the loss of that seed. They never think that way. Like, I put this seed in the ground, oh, it's gone, I lost it. That's not the way it works, right? Because they trust that their sowing of the seed ensures the harvest, which ensures the seeds for the next season. Because when they sow the seed and they trust that someone and something else is going to make it grow, that thing comes back and it ensures the seeds for the next season. There is this beautiful act of letting go of that which you depend on, planting it and trusting that someone, something else makes it grow. And so you sow it. And that ensures... It completes the cycle, right? You, you sow your seed, something else makes it grow, the seeds come back, and, you can, and, and, and it repeats the cycle. Elton John and Adina Mendez got it right. It's the circle of life, and you have to let it go. Let it go, don't hold me back anymore. I have three daughters, come on, frozen? Seriously. No sower or farmer begrudges the seed that they sow in the ground. They don't sow it and go like, dang it! Rats, come on, gotta sow that seed. No farmer does that. No, she willingly sows it in the ground because she believes and trusts that someone else makes it grow and that her sowing ensures the harvest. It ensures the seeds for the next season. There's a trust relationship there. So when we invest our seed, when we give money back to God, what's the harvest? What, if we reap what we sow, what are we really sowing? We're talking about money here today. What are we sowing? I want to suggest that you're sowing grace. You're sowing gift. You're sowing abundance. And that's exactly what's in your bank account. 
And we don't think about money that way, do we? We think about, well, I know exactly what's in my bank account. It's not enough. And I, I earned that. And I deserve that. And I put my time in, and I got paid for that, and it's mine. And this is our critical mistake, I want to suggest. When we fail to see money in the proper light, from the proper perspective, it makes all the sense in the world to secure it, protect it, hedge it, keep it. But when we see it from a different perspective, when we, t- when we bring a different assumption to the table with, with regards to our money, things begin to change. What if, when it's gift in your bank account, when it's grace, when it's the seed of God's abundant love that's been poured out to you and received by your body and your mind and your hands, which are the means to which, or the means that produce the resources, what happens when the farmer sows the seed back in the ground from which it came? What happens when we sow the seed of God's love and grace and gift in the form of money back into the source from which it came? What's the harvest? What happens? The kingdom. Jesus prays, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When we sow the seed, when we take grace and gift and we give it back to the source from which it came, what happens is it grows. This is how God, God willingly gives up resource power and influence and gives it to you and me in terms of our ability to make decisions, in terms of our ability to make a living, the work of our hands, in terms of our influence, God gives it to us. Because this whole thing is rooted in relationship and relationship doesn't work if it's mandatory and it has to be given back. No, God asks for it back because God wants to grow it. God wants the kingdom Not more money, but the kingdom to grow. More of Eden, more of delight, more of what God's hopes and dreams for in the world. When we give back to the source from which it came, it grows. And guess what happens when you're faithful with a little bit of that? You get more. This is not rocket science. If you own a vineyard or you own a company, and you know somebody who is faithful with the resources you gave them, and they invest it well so there's a return on their investment, what do you do as a manager, as an owner, as the king? You give that person more. You entrust them with more. Not so that they can get rich, so that the kingdom can come more and more and more. This is not a get-rich-quick scam. This is the gospel. I'm asking you to die to yourself and follow somebody else. This is the last thing that would ever sell. It's not a get-rich-quick program, guys. Die. Through death, life comes, so die. That's what, I, that's what the gospel's asking you. But what comes in life, what comes in our death is resurrection, more of the kingdom. What happens when we invest our resource back into the source from which it came? More of the kingdom, more of the kingdom, more of the kingdom. Now, a couple weeks ago, my wife said, Micah, you should stop telling stories about when you were in high school. She's listened to me for 15 years, right? So who blames her? She's heard all these stories multiple times. So, babe, here's a story you haven't heard. Eric and Renee, I'm going to ask you guys to come. When I said we were doing this series, I know these guys, uh, and I've heard a little bit of their journey, and they asked if they could share uh, about it. And I said, sure, my wife thinks I should have other people sharing. And I think you have something that this community needs to hear. So, uh, Eric and Renee, everybody, give them a round. When Micah asked us to talk about money, I was actually really excited, believe it or not. Um, Some people, I think, really kind of dread the topic of money, and it stresses them out, and they don't want to talk about it. 
But I love talking about it because for us, it's really an opportunity to share what God has done in our life. Um, and I will just start by saying we come to this discussion as a couple that really came from what I consider to be a very desperate financial situation uh, in the beginning of our relationship. But Awaken is coming just as you are. That's what we're about. And so that's why we're here now. Uh, we were very overwhelmed, underfunded, <laughs> and totally stressed out. But Yeah, when we first got married, um, I felt like we were drowning financially. I don't know if some people can relate to that. Um, usually people look forward to payday. It's like, payday, yes, Friday, spend money. Uh, but I had started to dread it because getting paid Friday morning meant Friday night I had to do what I called the bill shuffle, where I would decide who got paid and who didn't. And I just hated that, you know? And the worst part was that I would have to sit with my wife and feel like a failure as a husband because I couldn't provide. I felt like I couldn't meet all my requirements. And on top of that, I wasn't giving to the church. I wasn't giving to God. And I was like, this is not right, you know? I wanted to do that so badly, but I felt like every dollar was spoken for and some were spoken for twice. Um, it kept me awake at night. You know, I couldn't sleep. Uh, it was around that time we read Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey and started to get our financial house in order. And one verse that struck out was the one Micah shared from Malachi. It said, test me and see if I won't be good to you. I won't be very generous to you. So we decided if we're going to wait till we had the money, we were going to be waiting a long time. So we just picked a percentage that it wasn't huge, but it was sacrificial. It was something like, all right, this is going to hurt a little bit, but we're going to do it because we just have to do it. Uh, and that's when things really started to change for us. Um, so we were giving that little bit, and I had just started college. Um, but that was some of probably the most painful, <laughs> sacrificial giving we've ever done in our lives, I felt like. Um, but we really tested God, and we're trusting God, and he showed up. Um, right after, or shortly after I started school, I was having a little bit of a meltdown because <laughs> they had another tuition hike, and I was like, we can't pay for that. Um, but that day, Eric actually called me. He'd gotten an awesome review at work, and we found out he was getting a raise that covered the exact amount that tuition had been raised, which was really incredible. Um, and then we, after that income was raised, we also raised our giving because we're like, all right, we tested, came through, doing it again. Um, and every time, just God was coming through for us, and he was continuing just to bless us every time we were willing to test him more. Um, last Christmas, Eric and I decided to forego Christmas gifts for ourselves because we'd really felt called to give to something. Um, and we gave an amount that, for us, we were like, this is a stretch, but that was just really what we felt that God was asking us to give. Um, and then less than a month later, we got a totally unexpected check in the mail for the exact amount that we had given. Um, it was just really incredible, and I just continue to be totally shocked by what God is just doing for us. Um, but Proverbs 3, 9, 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be full to overflow overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine but it says honor the lord with your wealth then then you will be filled to overflowing um like mike said when this isn't like a do this to get rich kind of testimony because we of all people know that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous um but we just want to tell you how god has been faithful to us 
And you know, the point is whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. And we started by sowing sparingly. Um, we were the people who said, you know, we'll give when our finances are in order or at the end of this year we can start to give or once we start making a little bit more. God is so good and he's really generous, um, more generous than me. Uh, and I, we found that the longer we honored that financial commitment, the more he blessed us. And uh, I was reminded of this this story that happened to me. Um, I don't know if anyone's been to Khan's Mongolian Barbecue in Roseville. Uh, the great thing about Khan's is for nine seventy five, you can get a build-your-own stir-fry noodle bowl, right? Now, when I go, I put enough food in the bowl for one normal human being. But when my friend Matt goes, I'll never forget watching him do this, he is not a normal human being. So first he goes to the meat, and he puts meat in the bowl till it's full. The bowl is full. He has not progressed through the line. The bowl is full of meat. He takes his fist, and he presses that meat down. Looking around, he's like, anyone looking at me? No, they're not. Okay. Ugh. Then he goes to the noodles, piles noodles on. They're, they're mounded over. Then he looks around again, takes the same gross hand, presses that all down in there till it's compacted. Then he moves to vegetables, same thing. Then when he moves to the sauce station, you're ladling on rice vinegar and soy sauce. He starts pouring that on. It just, there's no room in the bowl for liquid. It just pours over the side. And he takes this and he gives it to the cook. And they're like, okay, you know. The point is, he got his money's worth and then some. Now, if you give God your 975, he's not going to give you the nice little tidy Eric bowl. Like, oh, here's exactly what you gave. He's going to give you the mat bowl of, oh, here's just <laughs> all this stuff. You know, Because oh, God is generous. He's a ridiculous giver. He breaks the rules. And things are going to get saucy, friends, <laughs> if you give to God. That's going to happen. Um, we'd love to share more about our story to any of you guys. Um, you're welcome to talk to us, or we'd love to take you out for coffee if you want to hear more of, like, maybe the nitty-gritty details of how we um, kind of overcame some of these things. Um, but we were so afraid in the beginning to even give, like, the cost of a pizza. Um, and it's like, if you can't give what a pizza costs, you're never going to be able to give what a car costs someday. Um, and... If you can't be generous with the little, you're never going to be able to be generous with a lot. It just doesn't work that way. Um, you really need to foster that spirit of generosity and grow it and let it take root like any other skill or ability that you have in your life. Um, it doesn't just come to you. It didn't just come to us. But we called out to God, and we really claimed that promise that he offers in Malachi 3.10. And we were like, all right, we're testing you on this. Like, you know, like little kids, like, you better do this or else. You know, like, just really dove in, um, and I would argue, maybe, that if you can't afford to give, you of all people cannot afford not to give, because, I'm always crying when I'm up here, oh. I, would, <laughs> I would say that you are the most in need of a display of God's faithfulness, and that is what he did for us, um, and I would challenge that everyone could give something, even if it's just a pizza, you know? Um, think about whatever that is for your family and just really be willing to test God and see what he's willing to do with that act of faith. Um, and I definitely say that there's no better place for that kind of a risk than somewhere like Awaken.
The new title of this message, Things Are Gonna Get Saucy. <laughs> you can't pay people to say that. That's awesome. That is great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You're welcome, Laura. Um, man, so much there. Uh, I, I want to encourage you guys, if, if there are people here this morning who are like, I, have no, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I want to be generous. I, I, I can remember being there where it's like, it's not that if you were to ask me, hey, would you like to give generously to something? I'd be like, nope, I'm going to keep it all for myself. I mean, we don't think, but how many of us can't even, we can't. Uh, they get a start somewhere. And Eric and Renee have a great, uh, well, just their story. So I would encourage you to, to press into that if, if you find yourself there. Um, so a couple things as we, as we wrap this up. You reap what you sow. I think if you keep going in this verse, you find that your attitude equals the reaping. We're not talking about the hunger games here, um, but the at, your attitude is equal to the blessing. And I'm going to stick with it. I'm, I'm going to go with this, right? So we think, okay, if I, if I give a little bit more, then I get more. So I want more, so I'll give a little bit. But over and over and over again, the scriptures teach us that God doesn't want our rote obedience right, or our manipulative, sort of out of manipulation or guilt we give. God's not interested in that at all, but rather our attitude or the posture of our heart is directly connected to the value of the gift. If you look, I'll just give you uh, Amos chapter 5. Uh, I'm not going to read it, but if you want to read it, God basically says, I don't want your worship. I hate your assemblies. I don't like your music, all these things that you bring and you think I want because you think this will get me off your back because you think this is how God works. It's tit for tat. It's like a, you know, I give and then you get. I don't want any of that. But God says at the end, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never, ever, never failing stream. Our attitude determines the value of our gift. Look at verse seven of the passage we're studying. Paul says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. My oldest brother, Matt, used to ride his bike everywhere when I was a, a kid, and he had this, he was in this phase of like, you know, uh, n- really neon colors. Do you remember the 80s where everybody, you know, neon, everything, you know, skiing and all this? He, he was uh, really involved at like boating and water skiing, which was just, you know, O'Neill and body glove and all this other stuff, neon everything. He had a bike, and on the, the bar of his bike, it said, attitude is everything. And as much as I hate to admit as a younger brother that maybe my older brother was right, I think he was. Attitude is everything on this one. Your attitude in giving determines the value of your gift. So when it comes to money, when it comes to, in general, when we're talking about generosity, but specifically, I want to challenge you to this attitude. And it's four things we talk about at Awaken. When you give, and whether you're a part of Awaken or not, whether you follow Jesus or not, I want to encourage you to test this out. Whether you're giving to something that's a church or something else, I think this is true whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. So give it a go. Uh, Attitude be this. Number one, sacrificial. That what you give, that your gift would mimic and mirror the gift that God gave. That it would be a sacrifice. That it would be a stretch for you to give. Two, that it would be proportional. That it would reflect your income and your situation and not somebody else's. This is why you'll never hear me give a number or a percentage from the front. This is between you and God. Work that out. But that it would be proportional. That it would be regular. There's something about committing to something and following through with it. Right? Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And lastly, that it would be cheerful. If you can't give with a cheerful heart, then don't give. You're better off not giving. I think when we, when we give, 
the attitude from the place from which we give, when it's a recognition that this is a gift, all of this is a gift, any resource that I have is a gift to me. I'm not entitled to it. I don't deserve it. But God has graced me with this capacity to make a living or to have this resource. When I start there and I give back, it's different than I earned this and I got to pay God off or I got to pay whatever off. I got to pay my conscience off or my guilt off. So I got to give a little bit so I feel better. Your attitude determines the value of your gift. Let me close with this. Why am I encouraging you to do this? Lots of reasons. Uh, certainly, Awaken is a nonprofit. We don't have a product that we sell at the market. There's no way to fund the vision and the mission of this community unless you buy into it. So the mission and vision of Awaken is viable insofar as you believe in it and you give of your resource and your time and your energy. But maybe most importantly... When you give, the gospel is incarnated. And by that, I mean this. The gospel story comes alive, and the good news of Jesus and resurrection is enacted in your lives when you give. Verse 13 says, Because of this service by which you have proven yourselves, others will be praised. Praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession. Gang, when you give, when I give, we sow the seeds of our financial resources back into the source from which it came, The story of God and of Jesus is made real. God, who was rich in love, gave so that we could be found, restored, remade, made whole. So here's my challenge to you, gang. Um, There are seeds on all of your tables. There's little cups. Or if you don't have one on your table, there's one near you. And they're snap peas. I love snap peas. I want to... I want to challenge you. If you're here this morning and you have never given to something, I want to challenge you to take that step of faith. If you call Awaken home and this is a place that you find resource and encouragement and life and community and family, I want to push back on our culture which says that we're entitled to things and we get to consume things. And I want to push back on that and say, if you receive from this community, then invest in this community. And I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm not going to qualify it. If this is your home church and you believe in the vision of this church, I want to invite you to get involved. And I don't care if it's a dollar. I don't care if it's a thousand dollars because your attitude determines the value of your gift. I really mean that. If you've never committed to take a step of faith and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out in faith here. I can't afford it, but I'm going to do it because this is what I feel. This is a better way to be human. Not because God says I should do it. Not because it's some sort of thing that I have to do to get God. No, this is actually, <laughs> this is a better way to be human, to be generous. So start with something small, like a seed. And whether you want to plant that at home, if you want to, whatever, whatever God is sort of doing in you, if you want to plant that at your house to remind you of that, if you want to plant it here, if you're going to plant it here, small instructions. There's three raised beds in the, in the food patch. As you're looking at them from the, from the deal, the left side, plant them in a, in a row right along the edges so that we can trellis them and they might actually grow and bear fruit, okay? But go, take it today and plant it out there. Commit to something. And I, 
I've been threatening to do this, and I'm going to do it. And I, I didn't tell my wife this. God says, test me, right? I'll tell you what. If you've never given for one year, you commit, and you give whatever it is between you and the Lord, and if at the end of this year, this time next year, you feel like in all honesty, God did not honor your gift, I will pay you back with interest from a bank. Whatever the, whatever the going interest rate is at a bank, it's probably like one and a half, two percent. I will pay you back out of my own pocket. If you come back in a year and you say, God, didn't, you're a liar, Micah. You're not telling the truth. I'll pay you back. Because I think it's true. I'm not asking anybody to do anything that my, I'm not doing or that my family's not doing. And I'm asking you to do it because I really actually believe this is a better way to be human. This isn't about religion. It's not about rules. It's about sowing the seed back into the resource from which it came and watching the kingdom grow. This is about the kingdom. It's about what God does through God's church. I know many of you already give faithfully to places, whether it's Awaken or other places, but um, this morning, if you want to see that seed as a symbol of something that's happening in you, I just encourage you to hold that, maybe just even right now, as I pray this blessing as we go. My prayer for Awaken, for the kingdom, may you become a living, breathing demonstration of the gospel of Jesus. May many come to find the love of God in Christ through your faithfulness and your gifts. May the seeds you sow with grateful and expectant hearts bear much fruit. And may God's kingdom of abundance and love become more and more and more real because of your generous hearts. In the name of the Spirit, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit. All God's people said, amen. Grace and peace. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.